What's up, Whisper Nation, and welcome in to the part one of the week nine matchup shows right here on the Fantasy Whispers. We are going to go through that first half of the NFL slate of games and talk about all the fantasy football implications. But if you love fresh fantasy football content, you need to hit that subscribe button over on the YouTube channel. Give this and other videos a like on your way in. Without further ado, I'd like to introduce my guest host today. That is Austin Sear. You can find him on Twitter at Austin underscore R underscore Sear. What's going on, Austin? What's up, man? Chilling, man, chilling. We got week nine upon us. We've got, honestly, I shouldn't say chilling. This has been a wild 48 hours of news in the NFL, and we just had some crazy stuff go down and on and off the field and COVID and non-COVID related, injury related. It's just all been wild. Anything, you know, football related, we'll, we'll leave the Henry Ruggs for another time because obviously that's the most shocking news that came out and our hearts go out to the families of the victim there our hearts go out to henry ruggs and his family hope he can you know hope this i don't you just got to bounce back as much as you can from this but i want to talk about for football purposes you know some of the news the obj news the saquon barkley aaron Rodgers. obviously what do you think's the most big fantasy football storyline for you it's got to be the Aaron Rodgers news. Lovely matchup here, not just for him, but for the other playmakers on the Green Bay Packers offense, which I think they're probably going to be okay still, maybe outside of Devontae Adams' insane volume that he typically sees with Aaron Rodgers behind center. But it was going, the Packers are playing the Chiefs, man, off yeah. a game, off that great win against Arizona. Aaron Rodgers got the John Wick costume, feeling like a shooter feeling like a killer out there and now he's got COVID. So he might've taken that costume a little too far, but uh, yeah, yeah that's should have got, got a different shot and then maybe yeah. we'd be sitting in a different situation. Uh, either way um, it's, it seems like Mahomes and Rogers are cursed here because they've never played each other. The last time they were supposed to play each other, Patrick Mahomes got hurt this time. Uh, Rogers gets COVID. So We've got a situation where that State Farm Bowl isn't really going to happen this week, and that's unfortunate. I Before we get into the show, I want to remind everybody that the show is brought to you by Manscaped. I'm happy to tell you about the sponsor of today's show because when it comes to below-the-waist grooming, there's no need to look any further than Manscaped. Our friends at Manscaped are here to upgrade your grooming experience, and you can join the 2 million men worldwide by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code TFWMAN. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code TFWMAN at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code TFWMAN at manscaped.com. If your significant other is nagging you about how much time you put in your fantasy team, you might as well gift them the gift of some beautiful balls at manscaped.com. Well, let's be real. Honestly, Manscaped's good at like shaving your balls, Austin, but like yeah. no matter what you do, they're not going to be that beautiful. <laughs> it's balls dude it's not yeah it's just like they're built for function it's like right like, oh my god look how look how lovely that water tower is it's like it's yeah. industrious man yeah this is just like yeah it's an it's a warehouse it's not anything pretty all right moving on let's start the show here we got the new orleans saints hosting the atlanta falcons in a divisional battle here austin it's a 42 point over under we have the new orleans saints favored by six at home despite the quarterback situation but we'll jump into the saints here soon enough I want to talk a little bit about Matt Ryan. He's the leader of the Falcons. He was on the streaming radar, but this is a tough matchup. And even in a good matchup last week, he did not do too well. Um, are we are we completely off of Matt Ryan as a streamer here? I, I, well, I'm not liking it a lot, Travis. The Saints are giving up the fifth fewest points to quarterbacks. And last week, Brady had a strong matchup, earning over 30 fantasy points, but it was also the first time he's had multiple interceptions this season, and the Bucks' offense is not the same as the Falcons' offense, as we know. Uh, Matt Ryan, like we said, didn't have the great week last week, had two interceptions going up against Carolina with only eight fantasy points total on the day. I'm not excited about starting Matt Ryan in this matchup, so no to answer your question, but I do believe you still could do worse. I wouldn't pull a cutesy move and like start a Mike White you know, at quarterback over Matt Ryan here, but I would be looking other directions before firing up Matt Ryan this week, Travis. Yeah, I, I would agree with that wholeheartedly. And I think part of that has to do with Calvin Ridley stepping away here. We know that's a big news story here. Calvin Ridley stepping away from football for the time being. Well, what does that mean for guys like Cordell Patterson, Kyle Pitts, Russell Gage, and even Tajay Sharp? Let's take a look at the studs here. Cordell Patterson, um, I'm anticipating more work for him in the receiving game uh, with Ridley away. Patterson, 
already has posted five or more receptions in five of the seven games he's played this year. He's averaging a touchdown per game, and he continues to see increased work in the running game as well, averaging over 12 yards, or I'm sorry, over 12 carries per game in his last three games. You look at New Orleans, they're a top five defense for our fantasy wide receivers, but bottom five against the running back. The matchup seems to not matter for Corderell Patterson as he's utilized in so many different ways in this offense. So for me, I'm not fading Patterson in any way, especially because of Ridley coming out here, because again, it's kind of a situation where because they're so good, they're kind of a pass funnel defense because they're so good against the run. They actually do give up um, some, some plays against wide receivers and pass catchers. Um, we'll talk about Tajay Sharp, Sharp here. Worth keeping an eye on these two, both him and Russell Gage, because these wide receivers um, will get a better look at life. I'm sorry. <laughs> better look at life. Uh, these wide receivers, we should take a look at them because of the increased usage post Ridley. That's, that's what I'm getting at here. Um, we look at Kyle Pitts. He's now the tight end six. He had a kind of a down week. The silver lining um, is he still led the Eagles or the Falcons last week in targets. Um, as he played on a season high of 84% of the offensive snaps. On paper, this matchup is less than ideal. The Saints are the third best defense against the tight end. They also surrender the fourth most points to wide receivers per game. But, the, you know, so that's the good news here is Pitts is more like a wide receiver. He's not really a, a true tight end. They're going to use him as their weapons. It's really about Kyle Pitts and Cordero Patterson in this one. And I think the point is those are the weapons. We know they're the weapons for this offense. They're going to try and use them the best they can to score points against these Saints. Mike Davis isn't somebody, like we said, running back matchup is is tough, Austin. But Mike Davis yeah. isn't somebody that we're going to suggest starting here. No, I wouldn't suggest starting him. I would sit and wait, though. I'm not getting rid of him. I want to see how this entire offense keeps moving with the Calvin Ridley situation. Um, but I'm not going to be recommending or excited to see Mike Davis in my starting lineup, even in the flex right now. But I'm not going to get rid of him if I can hold it either. Yeah. All right, we're going to move on to the New Orleans side of the football here. We've got Taysom Hill uh, is, was one of the hot waiver wire ads because Jameis Winston goes down with the ACL injury. We also think that Trevor Simeon has a shot at playing here. Sean Payton being very quiet, not telling us anything. That sounds about right. Um, I would I would think that he might go Simeon, but Taysom Hill is needs to be rostered just because of his upside. He could easily win the job, then lose it but he's got real league winning upside in fantasy because in four games in relief last year, his finishes were QB four, QB eight, QB eight, and QB 11. He averaged 52 rushing yards per game in those games. He was one of my favorite waiver wire ads again this week, based purely on the upside. We look at Simeon. Should he start the offense will continue to be kind of like conservative, like it was with Jameis Winston. I would imagine continuing to run the ball, low passing attempts. And honestly, that's probably what it's going to be even with, with Taysom Hill. Only there's a lot more big play uh, ability, I believe with Taysom Hill in the game than there would be with a Trevor Simeon. We look at this matchup though. Atlanta is the fifth most friendly defense for fantasy football quarterbacks. Even more exciting is the fact that they have given up the fourth most rushing yards to quarterbacks. So if Taysom Hill does get the start, we like to roll him out as a very, very good streamable option i want to know though austin how we're looking at alvin kamara post Jameis winston because if he gets Taysom hill we saw that be a detriment at times to his target volume we've already seen that be up and down this year with Jameis winston what what's your finger on the pulse for ak going forward you're muted, my brother. It ultimately comes down to which binary decision we're looking at, right? And fantasy football is full of binary decisions. Draft this guy or draft that guy. Start this wide receiver or that running back. Trade Kamara or hold Kamara now that you've got Jameis Winston out. But Kamara is a guy that you draft and you only trade him if you are getting an elite who is in a better position. And it's going to be really tough to find that. I think Kamara is going to be locked into your lineup regardless of who the quarterback is, Taysom Hill eating into him or not. Um, look, Kamara has played seven of his 17 games this season, about 41% of his total games, but he's already at 69% nice of his nice. most carries in a season. So he's got that. He's about 70% all on his way to getting his career high in carries, yet we're only about 41% of the way through the season. So he's on pace to blast past his season high in carries, which is what we kind of predicted coming in to this season. And I don't think that his opportunity is really going to be significantly dipping unless they get like Christian McCaffrey that comes over. Yeah. I'm not worried about like Mark Ingram in this situation. I'm not totally even worried about 
Taysom Hill either. And here's why. Like, it's not awesome. I don't love the narrative. And we know that he's going to be vulture or trying to vulture in the goal line. Um, but in weeks three and four, Taysom Hill had three touchdowns combined during those two weeks. And Kamara averaged over 16 fantasy points in PPR mm-hmm. right there. So I love Kamara this week going up against the Falcons middle of the road rush defense as well as rest of the season, even if Taysom Hill is there and he's playing more as like a running back than he is as a quarterback. I think Kamara is going to be doing just fine. This is not really exactly. It could be fantasy related. What's your take on? Could you you see Peyton do something where Simeon gets him to the red zone and then it's like Taysom Hill's the red zone guy? We see something like that. Yeah, we saw a little bit of that. We've already seen that a little bit out of Sean Peyton before. And we see a lot more creative quarterback calls coming into the NFL in the last couple of years. You know, we had Jacoby and Phillip Rivers both getting it done. We've had Taysom Hill and Drew Brees getting it done in years past. More of this is coming in. And I think you've seen some success with it, too. I don't I don't I would not be surprised at all to see a situation like that. And I think you could even start expecting maybe to see something like that. Well, I'll expect us to move on to the next matchup, which is the Dallas Cowboys hosting the Denver Broncos. It's a 49 and a half point over under with the Dallas Cowboys favored by nine and a half at home here. Looks like they'll get Dak back, but we'll start with the Cowboys in a second. I want to go to the Denver side of the football and really where the talent is on this team. Austin uh, is in the the wide receiving core. This should be a decent game for our wide receivers in a game where they're going to need to be utilized, especially Noah Fant going to be out of this game with COVID. What is our outlook in this game where Denver will likely need to throw here? Yeah, they're likely going to need to be throwing. Um, But how much and at what efficiency is the question with Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater still behind center? He's averaging Teddy Bridgewater. That is 22 catches a game. And Tim Patrick is leading the team right now in snap percentage, did last week. He was the only one of the three over 90%. Jerry Judy is now back. Um, Fant is normally active and usually pretty darn good. And honestly, man, I just don't see anybody dominating in target percentage with only 22 catches a game with those four options being used. Mm. Tim Patrick is number four in talent, but right now number one in snap percentage. So that, you know, it kind of flips it in this situation where you're not seeing anybody set up for primo success. Um, you know, because he's out, I'm going to be starting Sutton. I'm going to be starting Judy. Most likely he came back and I think did better and was more involved than, than I was expecting to see him come in this week, but just the overall team, the overall distribution, I'm, I'm not stoked on this one, honestly, man, in the long run. But like you said, this is a, should be a, somewhat of a shootout kind of situation where Denver's going to have to play from behind Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy are there for me. Um, if you had to flex Tim Patrick. I would think otherwise first, but you could probably do worse. you like 90% snap percentage. I think he's going to get that again. Yeah, especially with Fant out, I think he gets that again, which kind of makes him annoyingly still there for the yeah, wide receivers, Judy exactly. and Sutton, um, and annoyingly still there in like the off the QB1 radar is Teddy Bridgewater, Austin, and are we still kind of thinking that's the case because of the missing weapons? The fact that this this team is just, I think like this line isn't just because it's the Cowboys, you know, nine and a half underdogs like this is probably going to be a lot of Denver's story the rest of the year games where they're going to be clawing back into and you know we like the wide receivers in that case but is it enough for Teddy B in this one Teddy Bridgewater is the quarterback 18 right now on the season I like that Dallas is giving up 19 fantasy points per game to quarterbacks but they've also had the most interceptions in the league at 11 it's not it's not an easy matchup right here for Teddy Bridgewater I I I think he kind of just stays true to where he's at, and that's QB 18. I think I think we see within that range. Yeah, they are a very conservative offense, so that means they're going to lean on the running game a lot, and that's what they've done with both Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams. But we were kind of saying, like, hey, let's start our Javante Williams shares as well because he's going to have that role. Over the last couple of weeks, I'm starting to get a little bit scared off of that because this offense and team is kind of taking a little bit of a step back. They haven't gotten better, at least. Um Melvin Gordon, double-digit touches in three straight games. He has three touchdowns over his last two games, has not seen fewer than 53% of the offensive snaps in four straight games operating as the lead role here. When we look at Javante, he's got all these things we like. Look, the advanced metrics are great. He's still a one of the best holds in the league, Austin. He, at, he leads all running backs with at least 50 attempts in missed tackles forced per attempt. That's 36%. He ranks 10th in explosive run rate, 10 yards or more at 14%, and 7th in air yards after uh, in air yards after contact per attempt, 3.4. So he's seen an uptick in the passing work, which is nice. 11 targets over the last two weeks. But as long as Gordon is here yeah. and this defense continues to struggle, Williams will be on standby and remain one of the best holds. I, I, he's just not a guy I'm going to go out there and 
actively put in my roster. No, and we were talking about that 1A, 1B narrative this entire time, and it was like Javante was getting so right. close to like flipping it, and then it like, you know, and yeah. he, he tried on this time around, and he couldn't get through it, so maybe on the next revolution, maybe around playoff times, maybe, but Gordon's holding that 1A role. Yeah, and in a, as far as this game, I'm, I'm a starting Gordon, but tempered expectations. You look at Dallas, they've definitely been the pass funnel because teams are trying to throw on them, so the run D looks a lot better, only giving up 14 points per game to the position. Speaking of the Dallas Cowboys, I wanted to look about really look at Austin, the, the situation with Gallup maybe coming back into this game. Dalton Schultz has been a, a, vi- a viable start for us at tight end. Um, and he was supposed to be, you know, a lot of guys picked him up and then he became this guy that continued to to work for them. Is he a tight end one or do we, are we fear that Gallup's return is going to somehow inhibit that? I like when we talk, we, I mentioned this on the show last week, tight end one. Technically, yeah. Whatever that means. Tight yeah. ends, whatever yeah. that means. Yeah. So is he, <laughs> is he startable? Yeah, he is. He is. He's in the first half of the tight end. Yeah, one. he's got a pulse and he's breathing. But I think <laughs> no, he he is in the top twelve tight ends, and he's yeah. very startable. He's definitely a streamable person, and I think that pretty much stays true with a little bit of a decrease ceiling with Gallup. But it's it's borderline negligible as far as I'm concerned, and here is why: small sample size, but I think it paints a narrative that we could. We would not be surprised at all to see maintained through the rest of the season with Michael Gallup's return. Dalton Schultz right now throughout the entire season is averaging 6.2 targets per game, 53 yards per game. And in game one where Gallup played, Schultz had six targets and 45 yards. So 6.2 targets compared to six, 53 yards compared to 45. So it's a little bit lower when Gallup's in the mix, but it's not tremendously. And I think it's small sample size again, but I think we would end up seeing more of that moving forward. Um, It does show us that Dak was looking Schultz's way prior to Gallup going down. And I don't know if that rapport just vanishes when Gallup does come back. And like, look, it's not going to be good. The offense has moved here without Gallup and he's going to return and earn a handful of targets. I just think those targets probably get distributed through a pretty equally amongst the rest of the skill positions. I don't think that Dalton Schultz is going to be the pure blood sacrifice for Gallup returning. Yeah, and if you look at all these games without Gallup, Cedric Wilson has gotten some work in these games, like four targets, seven targets, three targets. So he's not exactly like Gallup, but he's definitely put other options out there to kind of take away from this. So I I do agree. There's a world where Gallup actually makes this offense a little bit more efficient, and then the other players rise because of it. I do think Schultz is the most one at risk, though, uh, to maybe take a step back because I do just love the wide receivers that Dallas has here. That like Talent-wise, that's what you want. You have basically two alphas and Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb. When we look at CeeDee Lamb, obviously both of these guys are starts for me. CeeDee Lamb is probably the most comfortable start, 80 or more receiving yards in five of seven games. Denver giving up the 10th fewest points to wide receivers this season, but it doesn't matter because Dallas is averaging like 30 points a game. So you want to put your pieces in the lineup here. Amari Cooper is the other one. Like uh, We got asked if we're selling high. Johnny is on the fence of selling him high, saying that you know there's some touchdown dependent because he's only – you know, uh, two games over 80 for receiving yards for Cooper. He's also 11th in the league, though, in red zone targets. So there is a world where that touchdown, uh, you know, production is actually sustainable for Cooper because they look to him in the red zone. Why wouldn't they? He's a big body route running tactician that's able to go up and high point the ball. And you saw it with the backup Cooper Rush, who did it last week. But we know that what bread you know, the motor of this offense is obviously Ezekiel Elliott right now in this running game, even Tony Pollard as well. 73 or more scrimmage yards in every game, but one, uh, uh, which was week one against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 19.7 touches per game. That's fifth among running backs this season, RB eight by points per game. The question we had with this was Tony Pollard. You know, four weeks in, we're asking, oh, do we start Tony Pollard as well? Eight weeks in the books, and Pollard still remains the number one graded running back for per pro football focus. So in his work, he's looking incredible. Workload hasn't been as consistent, though. Uh, only th- seen over 38% of the snaps one time this year, and he's only eclipsed 10 PPR points once in his last five games. I think it's pretty steady. It's kind of been steadily dropping here right there with 14 carries, 10 carries, seven carries, four targets, three targets, one target. Yeah. And Zeke remains like one of the top options in the passing game. So it's not like they can pull Zeke off the field so much for Pollard because he's still a really good route runner himself and it gives him an advantage to do so. So I think Pollard settled down and not really having that standalone value and Zeke's returned more of the natural bell cow status here. But yeah, definitely something to watch there. And 
Austin, any hesitation at all if Dak doesn't uh, if Dak goes in this game? Like I, I, he's back to a full workload of practices was reported today. But do you have any hesitation? Am I any hesitations I would have had about Dak Prescott returning to himself have been answered this season when he came back from such horrendous injury. I believe in Dak's work ethic. I believe in Dak's ability to assess his own body and ability. And I don't I think he put himself out there if he was a liability. I feel confident if Dak is in, he knows what he's doing, and I'd put him in my lineup. All right. Awesome. We're going to move on to the next game here. Carolina hosting the New England Patriots here. 41 and a half point over under New England favored by four on the road here in this game, maybe due to the uh, recent struggles of our guy, Sam Darnold, who we'll talk about in a bit. Awesome. We're going to talk about uh, basically if you can call your shot on anyone in this passing game outside of, you know, uh, the running game, because the running game is how Patriots get down. They run the ball at a, at a high rate. They have a lot of backs they cycle through. But it's the passing game that we have flashes of all these other guys popping off here and there, but not really something we can go after uh, in fantasy. No, I wouldn't. And Jacoby Myers would be the only real start to consider in a full point PPR outside of a full point and a half point. I would look elsewhere with uh, Jacoby Myers. Uh, called it last week here that my ceiling for one of these uh, wide receivers for the Patriots in Bourne, Myers, and Aguilar was 75 yards and a touchdown, but I wasn't going to try to mess who it was going to be. Aguilar had 60 yards receiving. Myers had 37 yards and a two-point conversion. Those were your highlights. Um, I agree that, you know, or like said here, starting Myers in PPR is a fine call, but I'm not going to try in other formats here to try and Luke Skywalker firing a proton torpedoes in the Death Star's exhaust port here and try to like guess which one of these wide receivers is going to be that dude. I'd be looking elsewhere. Well, the Star me. Wars reference, you got to go with Jacoby Wan Kenobi then. That's, no, I'm just kidding. You think, <laughs> I mean, you would. Yeah. <laughs> it just it lines up with the with the uh, reference. but maybe He was not dead so at that production. point, though, in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, yeah, you're right. <laughs> um, well, somebody who kind of gave us a little bit of a dead spot in our roster was Hunter Henry last week. He only had 4.3 points in PPR. I think better days are ahead in this matchup here. He's one of the few uh, ways that they get touchdowns through the air. Um, he has four touchdowns in his last five games. So I continue to roll him out as a streamer because as Austin said, what does a tight end one mean? It means if you have a chance to score a touchdown consistently on your offense, he's probably in your lineup uh, for fantasy football purposes. On the other side of the ball, oh, I do want to just speak briefly on Damian Harris. Don't want to skip this in the running back situation uh, because Damian Harris has just been absolutely awesome over the last few weeks. 14 or more carries in four straight games, five touchdowns in his last four games as well, Austin. Harris has uh, now gained 80 or more rushing yards in three straight. He's climbed all the way up to RB16, and that's in PPR where he's not really used uh, in the passing game. PFF now has him as the graded as the third best running back on the season. Carolina currently only allowing the second fewest points per game to the running backs, but they've been even stingier against the pass. They are currently the eighth ranked pass defense and 17th ranked run defense. It, it, I won't, it wouldn't be about the matchups here for me and Damian Harris. It would be about what we know New England likes to do. They're going to run the ball. They're going to check it down. They're going to run the ball. They're going to check it down. So I think that's a situation that, especially with, What's going on in Carolina? Sam Darnold continues to give the ball back to the other defense quite a bit, so I or to the other offense quite a bit. So I, I'm fine with Damian Harris in this matchup. Austin, I want to talk a little bit about the Carolina Panthers and Christian McCaffrey because his IR window opened up. He returned to practice this week, but we're not sure if he's actually going to come back to this game. Right. Yeah, the 25-year-old will return to practice this week. That is looking true, but he's not a lock to return to the starting lineup in week nine against New England Patriots, not just yet. But I got to say, even when he does get back, temper those expectations. You're going to be starting him, but he's likely going to have a bit of a runway getting up to game speed. Chubb Hubbard hasn't been amazing, but he's held it down, and I expect for him to hold some of that role in the early days of the Christian McCaffrey return. Yeah, I'm with you there. And that's, you know, the return is really what does it do for Carolina here? What does it do for this offense? Because what Darnold uh, has figured out is that it's not been good for him, at least. QB five through the first month of the season. Then he was the QB eight, 20, or QB 28 over his last four weeks. He hasn't thrown a touchdown in back to back games. In his last five games, Darnold has thrown five touchdowns and eight turnovers. Not very good right now for my, my guy, Sam Darnold. I feel like we're reaching for whatever we can to excuse Darnold's struggles. Uh, 
but there could be some validity to CMC's absence, causing the offense to be more predictable. It should be noted, however, that Darnold had his best game of the year in the first game without CMC this year. So maybe that's fluky, maybe not. The bottom line is we're fading Darnold until he can show us he can regain some composure here, and I think it does affect DJ more, but I'm actually – Really excited to see this CMC return and then see what that does for DJ Moore. On the show today, or the show that we had the other day, Johnny had said DJ Moore is a buy-low candidate because his expected usage is matching those of Cooper Cup and Tyreek Hill. But expected usage is a funny thing. If your quarterback's not good enough to get you the ball, then that's going to stay. It's going to take. It's going to stay expected, not exactly. Right real natural uh, yardage here, but I want to see this. I'm putting DJ Moore in my lineup here with CMC back in the lineup here. If Carolina wants any shot in winning this game, I think DJ Moore is going to be a huge part of that. As we move on to the next game here, we've got the Baltimore Ravens hosting the Minnesota Vikings in a 49 and a half point over under Minnesota is favored, or I'm sorry, Baltimore is favored by five and a half in Baltimore. Look at the Minnesota side of the football. I don't have to tell you guys much about, you know, Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, and Thielen. We're going to continue to get those guys in our lineup. Thielen is a touchdown machine, and that has been his M.O. with our guy, Kirk Cousins. And Jefferson, I know he's had a couple of down weeks, but this guy is 13th in the NFL in targets. He's got eight red zone targets on the year. Baltimore giving up the eighth fewest fantasy points to wide receivers all all season, sure. But Jefferson is a guy we're continuing to just trot out there because we know the swing of all this usage is going to come back. And if they want to win this game, they're going to have to throw. I want to talk about Kirk Cousins, though, because he's not been a guy we can just set it and forget it with, Austin. No, and I think if you ever thought that he was, you probably hadn't taken a close look at his previous year's performances. Like Kirk Cousins as a top five quarterback is nothing new. Kirk Cousins as a consistent quarterback would be new. Yeah. And despite when he was, it, it's, we, we are seeing more of that. And I expect to see that rest of the season, which makes him a great streaming option, but nothing more than that. The Ravens here give up about as many points to fantasy quarterbacks as the Lions do. Both are middle of the road. Um, Kirk Cousins did have a down game last week coming off of the bye, but eclipsed 30 points in the game prior to that. I like the projected game flow here. Um, They expect to play from behind, and he's got good streamer appeal this week. Um, But just make sure you're evaluating him between your streamers, not between your starters. I love that take there. And speaking of streaming, I want to put Tyler Conklin's name out there. Over the last two weeks, he's posted over 80% of snaps. He's had at least 57 receiving yards and has hit double-digit PPR fantasy points in both games. He's had five or more targets in four of his last five games. His usage is enough to like him this week, but the matchup is the choicest of choice. Against Baltimore, they've given up the most points to the tight end position this season. For those of you with Gronk, Hawkinson, or the Washington football tight ends on by, Conklin is your man. Go grab him and start him in this one. On the Baltimore side of the football, we know we're rocking with Lamar Jackson in our lineup. Looks a lot better this year than last year in times. And that, be, and that is because of these weapons, Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews, staying consistent so far this year. Austin, is that something that we can remain to be the case? Must starts for the rest of this season? I can't tell you if it fully is going to happen or not, but I can tell you I'm expecting to keep both of these gentlemen in my lineups regardless of matchups moving forward, but do still remain some volatility in your expectations with that. Marquise Brown, he is just going to drop some passes and have some unfortunate moments. He's looking really good and getting a lot better, but he is still young and he does still have those mistakes, uh, a part of what he's doing. But given his role and play style, I'm locking Marquise Brown in my lineup rest of season until we see a reason not to. Last week, career-high 14 targets in his game. That's looking nice on already his best season thus far. And then Mark Andrews. He's been volatile and borderline elite like for a while now, and that just remains. He is a top-tier tight end. Likely, I mean, he's right outside of the elite. Like His ceiling might be the highest of any tight end in the mm. NFL, but his lack of consistency keeps him away from the Travis Kelsey tier. Maybe we des- maybe we're going to start to reevaluate that Kelsey yeah, right. after a couple of bad weeks, but in that still that that preseason Darren Waller, Travis Kelsey tier, I, I think that Mark Andrews' ceiling is past them, but the consistency just keeps him out of there a little bit. But that's not really going to matter. You're not going to take him out of your lineup, and I'm not even going to take him out of my lineup for the matchup because of the talent and the role that he has in the offense. But this week, though, uh, it's it's a tough tight end defense, giving up just the fifth fewest points to tight ends. Um, but I'm not going to get cute here and going to go streamer over the number two overall tight end in fantasy, who already had his buy too. Um, I but just I just temper my expectations a little bit and expect to see a little closer to a floor day 
but a floor day for Mark Andrews is still five points and at the tight end spot. That's golden. You talked about tempering your expectations and, and, and a floor day. That's kind of what we get out of the running backs here in Baltimore. A lot of floor play, and it's not a very good floor. It's it's basically non-existent. But we've seen that Latavius Murray is out with an ankle, and Freeman kind of steps in, and he's kind of mirrored the same usage that Murray was seeing, about 40% of the snap share, 13 carries in the last seven, uh, three weeks, and about seven red zone carries. So he has been the replacement but I'm just not comfortable starting any of these backs right now. Uh, like I know I understand the logic because Minnesota has given up 700 rushing yards on the ground this season. They've also been kind of stout and keeping guys out of the end zone. So I don't, I don't know that this is the way to attack Minnesota. I think it would, it's going to be through obviously Mark Andrews and Marquise Brown. Like we talked about, those are your big play guys for this offense, but it gives us a chance to talk a little bit about Rashad Bateman because I know he's been a hot waiver ad. People are, he's a very exciting rookie. People want to talk about him. I want to just do a little bit of a highlight here. Prior to the bye, in his first two games since returning from the injury, seven balls on 12 targets for 109 yards. It will be interesting to see if, if and when Sammy comes back, Sammy Watkins, what Bateman will do. But he's shown some flashes here. As much as we want to crown this offense as pass-heavy, right? We're like, oh, my God, they're passing so much. They're 28th in pass attempts. So they're really not passing all that much. They're just passing more for Baltimore. Um, they do rank fifth in yards per play, though. So they're making bigger plays. They're getting chunk yardage. So this offense has been efficient. They're lethal. They're clicking at times. But Bateman, um, and he has the draft capital, you know, but I don't know that he can carve out a huge role here. I don't really want to put him in this week against Minnesota either, um, but I just want to keep him on the radar, continue to monitor his usage. Whisper Nation, I want to let you know about Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy is the best and easiest place to play fantasy football for big cash prizes. They have the player prop bets like over and under on touchdowns, receiving yardage, rushing totals, and so much more. We will be helping you each and every week just with this show, but all the other shows we do on a daily basis to get you the best bet slips each and every week. When you go to underdogfantasy.com or download the app now, you'll get 100% of a deposit match for up to $100 when you use the promo code TFW. That's underdogfantasy.com or download the app and use the promo code TFW for up to $100 in matched money with your first deposit. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> All right, moving on to the next game here. We have the Cincinnati Bengals hosting the Cleveland Browns in a divisional battle here. 46 and a half point over under. We've got Cincinnati favored by three, so basically a pick them here because they are at home. On the Cleveland side of the ball, man, has there been some news here with OBJ and Jarvis Landry. Not so much of a fantasy talk here, but your take really on the OBJ situation, uh, Austin, and what's been going on here. It's almost really been, It looked really very strategic here. You had LeBron James tweeting. You had his dad uh, putting out videos, but OBJ not really saying anything. It's clear there's a lot of interpersonal things going on there in the Browns organization, and it's more of the same. It seems like from day one, it, this Baker and OBJ relationship has just not taken off. I, I, there's, we could we could pontificate on a lot of different reasons of why that hasn't happened. It, it does right. seem egos a part of what's going on between two big names in the NFL. Right. And it, if, if it's not working, though, if it's not clicking, it's it's not working for anybody there. And I would be expecting to see some type of movement from Odell Beckham. It's, it wouldn't be the first time this has already happened. Um, and it looks like that's what might be shaken up again. But I don't think that OBJ is in a, a situation where he's we can, we can call him washed. I think we're very, very excited if he ends up landing on a team. I've heard you mention the Packers would be great to have him get over there yes. in Green Bay would be awesome if he's just in the right type of system where he would have the support and not have to be the best playmaker on the team anyways. Like, you know, he was the best playmaker on the Giants offense, hands down. He's, you know, makes a case when he arrived in Cleveland, you know, even with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt over there. And yeah, and I don't even think he, he's necessarily asking for that because if Baker could consistently hit him, he wouldn't need to be right. that guy. He just needs to get some touchdowns, feel like he's supporting the team instead of this situation where... I don't even think lost. it's all Odell's fault. Like, I don't think he is yeah, the no, bad I, apple of the bunch. I think he's been in a couple of tough spots. It's easy to point at him. He definitely has fault to hold, but it's not his exclusively at all. Yeah. And in the right situation, I think he could fly. Yeah, so for fantasy football purposes, we'll see what happens. He's a hold for me through... Uh, he would, would have been a hold through the deadline and then maybe you dropped him. So maybe potentially pick him up if you if he was dropped, because if he clears waivers, if they come to a settlement and he clears waivers, he'd be a free agent to sign wherever he wanted. And if he got with the quarterback he wanted, that could be 
something that has upside. I want to talk a little bit about Jarvis Landry, though. Eight targets or more in back-to-back games. He's coming back from injury. If there is no OBJ, I don't mind putting him in your lineup this week because this is a game that could get to be kind of that heavyweight fight where they punch back and forth and there could be touchdowns on the board. 46.5 point over-under, so not a terrible over-under here. But Austin, you saw some stuff with the tight ends you wanted to bring up and let Whisper Nation know that that could be why we're seeing kind of the ceiling capped for this offense. Yeah, there's not a tight end that you'd want to play despite having, you know, three three decent ones over there in Njoku, Hooper, and Bryant. Last week, Baker had 31 passes thrown. 11 of those were to the tight end position. Over 33% of the targets are going to the tight end. And in a situation where you got one tight end, that would be phenomenal, but they don't. They got those three, and they're pretty evenly targets distributed across those three tight ends, making none of the tight ends viable. And then because 33% plus of that market share is going to the tight ends, that takes away a lot from the opportunity of the wide receivers. And there's not a ton of opportunity anyway. It's like it's just 33 pass attempts. You know what I mean? So yeah, or 30, 31, excuse me. So uh, not yeah, so the, just the pie is small had. and then they're cutting it up even bigger. So nobody's got a piece left, which is why Jarvis is even kind of a hesitant start for me. But because if OBJ's out, then he's probably going to get a bigger piece of the wide receiver pie and, could you imagine? I mean, Baker's probably going to be fired. If OBJ's out, you know he's going to be fired up ego-wise to just get pepper Jarvis Landry, too. Oh, yeah. You could easily see that. So oh, yeah. whatever you want to ego narrative or whatever we want to kind of go with that uh, on that mm. side. I do want to talk, obviously, about the backs. I think that's the focal point of this rushing attack, obviously. Um, Nick Chubb, 17 touches in his return from injury, but only post eight PPR points. The most important thing, though, he remained healthy for all accounted purposes. We That's what we saw here. He's going to have these games. He's not involved in the pass game. So in PPR, he's going to have these games that are low floor, um, but he's still going to be all of this situation. Like he's still he's still going to be the guy you put in the in the game here. Fun fact about Chubb against Cincinnati, his last game, he had 22 carries, 124 yards and two touchdowns. So just a reminder, that's what his ceiling is any given week, because that's what he can do is just run off a bunch of plays. That is fun. Yeah. I want to talk about Dearness Johnson. We thought he might be a fun uh, play last week. Not quite what we thought. He didn't not quite get the Kareem Hunt roll. Only five touches, less than 30 scrimmage yards, but he scored a touchdown. So kind of saved his day Save there. The day. His 31% of snaps mark much lower than Kareem Hunt's per game average. So his failure to get double-digit touches actually will land him on the bench on my fantasy roster for me, hoping to see more usage and specifically in the passing game. If that were to happen, then I think we could get back on board with what we were talking about last week with that. The Cincinnati Bengals are went from being first in the AFC to losing to the Jets. That's not what we like to see for our guys. But, but we the do Jets, like- I mean, that just with a quick note, that was a weird Jets team. Right? I know, this, this, I know. This Mike it was White, Michael a, Carter. It was such a Bengals way, man. It was said like, hey, we're first, and we lost yeah, to the Jets. the Jets. Yeah, yeah. I just not very good there. No. But the Bengals do have a very good player in Joe Burrow, It's seemingly. We were kind of questioning that last year. Like, he showed flashes, but this year he's really put a good um, uh, eight games together. After failing to score 20 fantasy points in the first three weeks of the season, he's been the overall QB3 in the last five weeks since. He's thrown for three touchdowns in four of his last six games, and he's had at least two scores in every single game this year. The addition of Chase has done wonders for Burrow. He's now third in the NFL in touchdowns. He leads the NFL in with six touchdowns over 40 yards, and he leads the NFL with four touchdowns over 50 yards. Although Cleveland's defense has talent at all three levels and is ranked top 10 in pass and run defense per PFF, they've been allowing the sixth most points per games to quarterbacks this year, and they've given up the 17 passing touchdowns and only picked off quarterbacks three times this year. I really like Burrow to remain in your lineup to remain a guy you're rolling with the flames with Burrow. And it's because he's got all these wide receivers, Austin. Like he's just got a stable of guys that we like. I know Jamar Chase, T Higgins, Tyler Boyd. I'm starting them all various points in my lineup. You know, we were talking before the recording, Travi, about Jamar Chase, right? And it does earn a little bit more conversation because we saw Jamar Chase have his poorest performance of the season last week in terms of yardage with just 32 yards. Talk about saving days from touchdowns. He had one of those, which gave him over 10 fantasy points, but it was one touchdown on 32 yards and three catches. And we talked about this all season long, really, that Jamar Chase has been so damn efficient. Big plays, you know, averaging over 20 yards per catch. That's phenomenal. 
And but at the same time, he hasn't gotten more than 10 targets thrown his way in a given season or in a given game. Um, and eight targets, eight catches is his season high. He did that two weeks ago and he six is his second highest. So it's, it's, he's not getting a ton of volume. He's just doing crazy, crazy work with that volume. And if he's not getting those major plays, those huge 50 yard plus touchdown receptions after busting out of a tackle and dodging a dude, like he, he, he might not have, he, he might take a 20 point fantasy day down to a single digit fantasy point day. And until we see that volume, we just have to be aware of that. So, I'm not surprised, and maybe I'm starting to expect a little bit of regression backwards. I, I still think he's a borderline wide receiver one. It seems mm. almost a little blasphemous to say that, considering how hot we've been on Jamar Chase for righteous reasons, but he's the number three wide receiver in PPR. If that starts falling, I think we see him go from like an elite wide receiver where he's currently statted as a top three to like a back-end wide receiver one. I think I think yeah, that's, I think I think yeah. he's definitely got some Tyler Lockett in him possible mm. for the rest of the year where he could have some buoyed games. Mm. But I do think he's a little bit he's like a rich man's Tyler Lockett because he's going to have way more chemistry already built in. Lockett yeah. took that time to build that with our guy Russell Wilson over there. And this offense is a lot more higher in passing volume right now. And I just think that's the situation we look at. Well, maybe 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 a little bit like a DK, a DK Metcalf, too. Kind of last of, yeah. year in his rookie yeah. year, you know, like where DK Metcalf, like he had crazier volume games in his rookie season there. 15 targets week eight, 11 targets week five, 13 targets week 12. Those are all more than Jamar Chase has gotten. But then the way DK finished out the year, eight targets, eight targets, six, eight, six, nine, you know, 80 yards, 61 yards, 43 yards, 59 yards. There's only one touchdown between those closing games. And he finished as the wide receiver seven in PPR. Yeah. And I'm, I'm interested I, to see how this plays out. I wouldn't be it's there's the conflicting, uh, you know, strategies in the industry. We talked about this before the show, too. Mm -hmm. You either are saying sell high or you're saying you don't ever mm -hmm. sell a player like Jamar Chase because he's a top five pedigree. We've never even really seen this where pedigree matches playing with someone in college. Then you play with them in the NFL is a pass happy team with a coach that comes from the Sean McVay tree. All of these things are lining up for why you would want to keep on to chase. But again, if he's going to continue to show some of these floor games, again, that's the only one he really had uh, floor games so far this year. So that's something to keep in mind as well. But did you have, you have I want to ask you of that name, oh, yeah. actually, Jamar Chase, wide receiver three in PPR, DK Metcalf, wide receiver six in PPR. Who would you rather have on your team rest of season, Metcalf or Jamar Chase? I think I'd rather have Jamar Chase. And the the reason is, is the low, like even when Russ comes back, which he could yeah. be back as early as next week, the Seattle runs the fewest plays in the NFL. So they're going to, you're going to have floor games with DK where they just didn't get it going that day. He didn't break off a big touchdown, but you're also going to get the multiple touchdown days from DK too. I think that's still within Chase's wheelhouse. He's definitely going to have that. And I think his floor games will be fewer and further between yeah. than that of DK Metcalf. But that's a great question. It makes you starts to make you think at that kind of break of these alphas versus man, Chase has just been so special. What about CJ Uzama here, Austin? If we stay in the passing attack, he's kind of been that, you know, hit or miss. I mean, he's a tight end. So, <laughs> right, 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 right. You know, it, he's kind of like the fifth option here on a voluminous passing offense, right? Mm -hmm. um, T. Higgins is a wide receiver, too. Got to bring him up there. Maybe see wide receiver two minus. It have 97 yards last week on six targets, 15 targets the week before, though. That's why we like him in that tight end two range. And then Tyler Boyd is a good flex play a lot of weeks and in this matchup i like him here last week had that touchdown you like to see that 69 yards nice uh in all regards but uzama then behind those three and behind joe mixon really so uzama has been a hot name in the fantasy football world because he had those couple of great games with some really big plays but he still <laughs> i mean last week actually i think he had he did have his second most catches on the season which would sound great for the number five tight end in standard, but that was just four catches. <laughs> wow. You know what I mean? He, he's going to need a touchdown. He's going to need a big play. Just a reminder of, on that. of tight ends and their production. It's just like so low. Uzama though, man, I love the name or ooze or whatever you use whatever you want to call him. He's uh, just got a cool, cool name too. Obviously Joe Mixon, somebody we're getting in our lineup, no matter what the guy has just seen consistent volume and he will be mixing it up again in this one. I am sure. We're going to move on to the Jacksonville Jaguars who are hosting the Buffalo Bills in a 48 and a half point over under. And most of that over under is because Buffalo is favored by 14 and a half on the road. 
when we look at Buffalo, we know what they are for the most part as far as a high passing attack. What we haven't been able to do is say, hey, can we project each week which guy it'll be? Can we get a ceiling out of Stephon Diggs? So when we look at Stephon Diggs, he's been a wide receiver too. And I actually think this is probably a situation that will continue for him this year. Um, he, he's just They've added weapons here in, in Buffalo, and he isn't the same guy that they brought in last year. Not saying he's changed talent-wise, but what he did for this offense. Last year, he was the shiny new toy for Josh Allen, and he continued to pepper him with targets. He's not seeing the same target volume. He's not seeing the same big playability that he was last year, and that's because we've seen flashes of Cole Beasley and Emmanuel Sanders and even Dawson Knox, Austin, right. in this offense. Yeah, and we are talking now about the other pass catchers here in Buffalo and the impact that we can expect from them moving forward, and Beasley uh, is has been the hot name. He had a really great week last week there, um, some season highs in targets 13 tied there and uh 110 yards that's a season high for him as <clears throat> so you love that um mm-hmm. and i don't think it's a coincidence travis that the first week dawson knox is gone beasley has his uh season high in targets and in yards um but he's going to need some help i think to produce um needs to be game plan this cole beasley it needs to be appropriately targeted by the defense if a defense decides to lock him down I just don't see a lot of historical precedents suggesting the 32-year-old five-foot-eight receiver who has never eclipsed a thousand yards on a season in nine straight seasons. Um, and a reminder: you only need 63 yards per game to break a thousand yards in a 16-game season. So he's he's never averaged that. Uh, but Knox is still out, and until he's back, I'm really okay flexing Beasley. Actually, uh, he's averaging about a red zone target per game, just one touchdown. But he's not in the no-fly zone or anything like that, and he's getting the opportunity outside of the red zone, um, which creates room for the yards. And he's, and again, he's not shut out there. So he could always get a touchdown again. Like he has, we've got to talk about Emmanuel Sanders a little bit. He hasn't broken a hundred yards all season long. And that was a bit surprising because he was a popular waiver wire ad there early on um, two games with two touchdowns, but no touchdowns in any other games. He's a flex play though, for me, because of his close play style, his yards per catch are still really nice. Um, and he's got a 70% plus snap percentage and Josh Allen is still behind center. I'm just not going to have expectations for his, his workload. I'm going to be really excited though. If I get a pop game. Yeah, I think that's it, right? Like we're not trying to make him some guy that's going to consistently be a part. We know what he is. And like you said, I think maybe we just saw a bit more of what his floor can be, but his ceiling remains to be a guy that can get those two touchdowns in a game. And he he is going to see 70% of snap share, as you said, and Josh Allen's throwing him the football there. I want to talk about Zach Moss because the game script should mean that we're going to get Zach Moss into our lineup here because they're going against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Buffalo has the highest implied team total. They're heavy favorites. And Zach Moss, he's been on 55% uh, of the snaps or more since week three, 11 or more PPR fantasy points in five of six run games this year or in five of six games this year. And in PFF's run grade, they also do a pure running grade, like just on your ability to run the football. He's the number nine running back in that metric. Not, he now has 11 carries inside the top 10 or inside the 10-yard line, and he's ranked fifth in the NFL in that. And he currently has more of those carries inside the 10 than Zeke, Najee Harris, and DeAndre Swift. So if we're talking about guys that have upside, could good buy low opportunities, I think Zach Moss may be one of those guys because as long as Buffalo continues to reign in these matchups, he could easily fall in for, you know, he's like a poor man's uh, Leonard Fournette in my mind. Like he mm-hmm. could get there, yeah. uh, you know, in, in any given game for you and really make it worth it for you. Buffalo finds themselves in another blowout opportunity. Should spell good news for Moss here and bad news for the Jags, who have given up eight rushing scores on the year. That's tied for the fourth, fourth most in football this year. We have to talk about the Jags because contract makes us do it. We don't really want to, but here's what we'll say. Uh, they have a lot of funkiness going on right now, and that funkiness is going to continue here with James Robinson. Austin, who had an ankle, or I guess it's being called a heel now. He might have a chance to play. He avoided a, a really bad injury but Bills are allowing the fewest points to opposing running backs this year. They's, they've surrendered only four touchdowns to running backs. And so the question is Carlos Hyde because he made the waiver column. He made a waiver, you know, that's he, he got good usage with uh, James Robinson out. And we know Urban Meyer loves the guy. Yeah, I think, you know, are we playing Carlos Hyde here? I, Austin? I think I think I would even in this tougher matchup where I think that the Jacksonville Jaguars get blown out because Carlos Hyde had four times his season high passing targets last week with eight 
two he had in the mm. first week, eight targets last week. He caught six of them. And that means even if they're down, they're going to keep Carlos Hyde in because they're going to be throwing him the ball. And um, I, I like that projected opportunity. And then he should be eating up almost all the ground game. Um, I, the fill-in backs that's going to be coming in, I, I don't think they're going to take a meaningful load from that. I think Carlos Hyde's going to get the opportunity. And I, I think he's going to be fine. I, th- I think he's a fine flex start. I don't even think he's... I think he's borderline sneaky flex start. I wouldn't put him in the less desperate category. I think he's more in the sneaky flex than he is in the less desperate flex. We were talking about our Monday night on our Monday night live show. And if you missed that, make sure you're subscribed on YouTube. You get to the live reaction show, the gusher, the juicer, all the different charts. We got to get the charts for the sneaky start, the extra sneaky, sneaky start, the not so sneaky flex start. We get a chart up so we can understand the necessary start. Yeah. The the must start smash start, smash start, the mega boss start. Yeah, like yeah, most. ooh, ooh, yeah, yeah. There's like a good like five category, like five. Yeah, to we, seven we've category. got we've got something there, yeah. and unfortunately, the Jaguars think they have something there and a guy in Jamal Agnew because <laughs> Boy. he was labeled the best separator by his coach last week, and now he has double digit fantasy points in all three games since coming, uh, moving over to the slot with Shark out, and then they pushed Lavisca Chenault over to the outside, which I think is just a shame, but that's what Urban Meyer wants to continue to do. Who? What do I know? I'm not a head coach in the NFL, not flying home with his team. Uh, 17 catches on yeah, 25. Yeah, you still know well enough not to go to a bar and start dancing yeah. at half your age and you got a family at home. So what do these head coaches really know? Anyway? What do they know, man? 17 catches uh, is what we know about Agnew on 25 targets in the last three games. We look at the last three games. Marvin Jones has seen less than nine PPR fantasy points in three of his last four games with Shark out. He's failed to clear 40 yards in those said games. And then LaVisca, two or fewer catches in three of his six last six games. It is just not happening this year for LaVisca Chanel, and that hurts me to say, but it just seems like the offense and the coordinator and basically Urban Meyer and the way they want to run this offense is just not going to happen. Agnew is the only one to trust currently out of the wide receivers, but I'm not starting him in this matchup against the Bills. It's a really, really good defense for the Bills. I wanted to ask you, though, because we talked about um, Carlos Hyde being a waiver option. Dan Arnold became a waiver option as well. Uh, They target the tight end in this offense. Is he somebody on your streaming radar this week? Yeah, I went off in a couple of leagues and, and tried to pick him up. I don't know if I actually got him in any of them, though, because everybody else wanted Everybody's him more than it. I did. Yeah, so he's a, he's, a, he's a hot item right here, and I understand why. Last week, he was the number five tight end overall, and he was number two in targets and receptions behind Hawkinson. That was it. Um, he's averaging over seven targets per game in his last three weeks and over 50 yards in that same span with just about 70% snap percentage like that. He's really got all of the metrics going right now to be streamer plus worthy. And given that rookie quarterbacks often look to their tight ends, I'm enjoying him um, with this T-law narrative even more. Uh, Went for him, like I said, in a couple of weeks. Uh, I don't love him this week against the Bills' top-ranked pass defense, but... Maybe an interesting little room here. Um, While the Bills give up the fewest points in the league to wide receivers, they give up the eighth fewest points to tight end. So if there was room Mm, to target them in the passing attack, there might be some metrics there suggesting that the tight end area is a little bit more vulnerable in Buffalo than the wide receiver. They're they're, they're good everywhere, but they're less good. What I've heard now is we've said they're good against running back, good against wide receiver, good against the tight end. They're also playing against the Jaguars. So it looks like the Bills defense is a must start this week. No. <laughs> yeah. Well, I do. Yeah. I do like Dan Arnold. Like you were like tight end. You could do worse for a guy that's like continuing to get usage. That's what we want to see. We just want to see usage in the offense. He did, because, and he played well last year, I think, with Arizona. Right. Yeah, and then he, I agree. And he was in Carolina and then got traded. But like yeah. he's got the reason to believe he's going to be streamer plus. Hey, listen, if, if Urban Meyer is saying things like he loves you or you're the best separator or any of that stuff, it looks like you're going to get the ball, even if it doesn't make sense. So continue to roll out some of those players uh, when you have the opportunity. Exactly. We have the opportunity to move off of the Jack. Jacksonville Jaguars and talk about a game that's not as good uh, either. Miami is hosting the Houston Texans. It's a 46 point over under Uh, Miami favored by six and a half at home here. We look at the Houston Texans. It's been the same story. We save the most time on the show when we're able to move off the Houston Texans because we know it's Brandon cooks that we're talking about. And, but you know, the poor guy, he couldn't even get traded at the trade deadline. Are we starting him? Poor guy. Like, is he going to even be benched, especially if, like, we get Tyrod Taylor back? Yeah, for sure. If you get Tyrod Taylor back, you're starting him with excitement. I think you're starting him with 
not any sadness. I don't, I'm not throwing out confidence <laughs> or excitement, but I'm not starting him with regret or anything like that. I'm expecting to see what Brandon Cooks has done most of this season. Now, last week, we did steer away from Brandon Cooks as he was going up against that Rams defense with Jalen Ramsey, likely being spending a lot of time with Brandon Cooks. Now, it did take garbage time, but Brandon Cooks emerged as the number 11 wide receiver on the week with all six of his catches getting pulled down for 83 yards and a touchdown, um, led the team in targets and yards again. And I like him going up against Miami this week, who's allowed the second most fantasy points up to wide receivers. I like it. I like it. I'm not even going to look at Tyrod Taylor this week. I, well, I am going to look to see if he starts, but yeah. I, I wouldn't be putting him in here. Even though Miami gives up the third most points to QBs this season, even though he was QB 11 in his first full start that he had, there, there, there's a re-injury risk here, of course. I want to see it get in there, get acclimated with the offense. We didn't see enough of him to be able to trust him right now. So uh, that's that's just all I'm at. I'm wait and see mode with to to borrow your terminology. Wait and see seer here. I'm gonna wait and see on, on Tyrod Taylor here. And one last point because we did have Mark Ingram vacate the building, and it's right. now down to a two back backfield. And in a lot of situations, we would like what that would mean. Uh, Except last for it became week. a four back backfield again, right? <laughs> yeah, because Rex Burkhead and the and exactly. the other Phillips came in. Exactly. And he, yeah, exactly. And, and that Rex Burkhead there did get the touchdown. He got the most carries. Like he just came in and it's, it's the Rex Burkhead show now. Over yeah. in, in Houston. Sexy Rexy, pick him up. Pick him no, up. You won't. Yeah, I think you'll be, uh, I think you'll be all right. Uh, the Miami dolphins are the home team here. And when we look at them, you know, we've, we look at miles Gaskin as the running game here because Malcolm Brown's been hurt 15 or more touches from Gaskin in back-to-back games without Malcolm Brown. He's averaged 15 PPR fantasy points over, over his last four, as opposed to seven points per game in his first four. So things are kind of turning here for miles Gaskin. He's turning a bit of a corner in this offense. He is now sitting at RB 18 in PPR. He's going to get a nice chance to climb even higher in the ranks against Houston. Only the jets lions and chargers allow more points per game to the running back in fantasy this year. I want to take a look at the pass catchers and specifically Mike Gusecki because he's a top four tight end right now, Austin, but we've got Parker back into the mix. We've got Waddle there. What's this matchup look like for our pass catchers? Yeah. You know, we got to take a look here at Parker Waddle and Gusecki here, who would be the three you'd consider starting Parker Waddle. I'm all right with at the wide receiver position. Um, Waddle is starting to want to turn into a PPR play. I'm given the target opportunity, but we've had all these pop games from him that we like to get excited about, but he's gotten a lot of other games that are bringing his average down just six catches per game on the season um, for Waddle, despite some of these really great games with, you know, 12, he's got three, three games with 12 or more targets, but he's still averaging just six catches per game. It's coming along but I really don't feel like it's come. I don't, I don't feel comfortable saying it's there yet for Waddle. Um, we get these big opportunity games, uh, but never twice in a row uh, and just 8.6 yards per carry. I do like what we saw coming out of Devonte Parker last week. We have been talking about him being the floor play in, in Miami and his mm-hmm. first game back, we saw a season high in catches or targets there at 11 season high in catches as well with eight season high in yards with 85. So I really like Devonte Parker right now, given we don't have to worry at least for the time being about Preston Williams, um, about Will Fuller, about some of these other options that we were considering top of the year. Um, Waddle's got his role. It's mainly like this dump off. And then there's Jasicki there, who is like the number two kind of option in Miami. He's technically a tight end, but he's six foot six. He's really athletic and he's got 12 yards per catch, which I really like, you know, less than nine yards per catch for Waddle. It's going to be a tough test, though, um, with Devontae Parker back. They have been both successful in the season opener, um, but but we'll have to kind of watch and see how these two play together moving forward the rest of the season. But I think they can both coexist, and I think these two might be good. And Waddle, I think this is a good spot to go roll them out there, too. You know, I think this is the spot where you're like, okay, well, I'm actually confident in all of the pass catchers this week because they're playing Houston. We'll just see what happens and hopefully can get more of the metrics that we need to kind of project them going forward as well and know that, like, if they get in a in a script where they can score more points that these guys are going to have some value. I wanted to ask you about this. It's kind of a off topic, but with the Deshaun Watson news coming and going, do we think that that could be something with Tua that actually is a weight off of his shoulders because he should be in a bounce back spot. He was in a good spot last week. Didn't really get there 18 or more fantasy points in three of out of four starts this season and Houston giving up 20 per per game to the quarterback. Do we think, 
that maybe the Watson things behind him, he could get some confidence, get back into it. I just don't know enough of Tua's psychological makeup to form an opinion with weight on that subject because some folks are motivated by competition. Some yeah. folks legitimately are turned on by the chance to have a challenger come in and mm. get to beat them in front of the public. Other people crumble. You know what I mean? Some mm. people feel that weight and it's more of a distraction. So some folks are going to find clarity and focus from that competition and that possible losing of the job. Other people are going to get eaten up by it. It's going to serve as a distraction. I just don't know enough about how Tua sees the world to answer in the affirmative or negative. She probably hates the way he sees the world living in Miami, man. They've not <laughs> wanted him since the day they drafted him. I just don't yeah, get it, man. Well, that does it for us, Whisper Nation. We want you to continue to rock with us. Uh, if you want the second half of the matchup show, make sure you get that by subscribing anywhere you get your podcasts. Also, if you have any other further lineup questions, make sure you're subscribed and tune in Sunday morning on YouTube an hour and a half before kickoff and check the fantasywhispers.com for our weekly rankings. I'm big Travi Austin. You got any final words for whisper nation heading into week nine? No, happy November, man. Hope everyone has a great fall season coming up. Absolutely. All right. For Austin's here, I am big Travi. We are the fantasy whispers and we're out. Peace. Bye.